Hello, my name is Dustin Hosseini and this is the Digital Education Practices Podcast. Today I'm joined by Colette Mazzola-Randalls. Uh, Colette, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, I'm Colette Mazzola-Randalls. I'm a senior tutor for teaching, learning and assessment in computing at Blackpool and the Fylde College. I've been teaching for about six, seven years now. I do teach across FE and HE. And my specialisms or things that I prefer to teach, I would say, are web programming, video production, graphic design. And my absolute um, favourite is cyber psychology. Um, I'm currently studying um, a PhD in technology enhanced learning and my most recent paper is focusing on the five C's of the 21st century skills and how we can embed that within our delivery to students. Okay and what are the five C's? Okay so the five C's is a framework that I've been researching recently and it's about the skills that students develop that they need for the fourth industrial revolution. So the five C's are collaboration, creativity, critical thinking, communication and connected. Okay and how would you go about doing that? How can we help them develop these five C's? Okay so I've done a couple of different things this year to be fair. So my style of teaching has completely changed obviously being online. I've used problem-based learning scenarios so working with industry partners and getting a bit of a live project together and then using breakout rooms to put students into small groups and basically solve the problems together. Whilst they're solving the problems they're obviously building their collaboration skills, the critical thinking, 100% communication and they're getting creative as well by obviously generating new ideas, being open and working collaboratively and then they are connected so they're obviously using the digital world as their connection platform but they are narrating and you know that they're actually working together to build a community so it kind of embodies the whole framework of the five c's another way so there is another way i've done it as well so i've used programming problems so some i teach um, students web programming so with web programming i've Again, use breakout rooms in Microsoft Teams and I've put them into little groups and I've given them a programming problem and they've had to debug and fix the problem and present it back to the group. And the sort of stuff they would were doing was like sharing the screens talking about what they were doing you know some people were thinking more flexibly and thinking outside of the box like applying different scenarios to it if it was this if it was that and how it was doing and it was amazing to see them actually actively problem solving and debugging and the way I've captured how they feel they've improved the five C's is by using reflective practice. So um, the framework that I use for reflection is Rolf Freshwater and Jasper's 2001 um, reflective framework. And they basically talk about the what, so what, and now what. And it's a framework that allows the students to just identify the skills that they've actually achieved overall throughout the sessions. And how did you kind of tell us a bit more about the the five C's framework and how you came across that? Yeah, so with the five C's, it was... um 
I was looking into 21st century skills and I didn't actually know what 21st century skills were or what was expected. But I thought it's something that is not so much lacking, but not as apparent in curriculum as I think it should be. So I had a little bit of an investigation as to, you know, the skill set that is needed in industry. And the five C's, it popped up as the four C's. So I've developed the fifth C being the connected um, section. And I've developed this over the course of the last couple of months with my students so we've been working on a project together and a paper and we've looked at all sorts of different areas and skills that the students are learning whilst obviously in Microsoft Teams and in the classroom-based scenarios. And it has developed this fifth C. So it's helped to improve the four Cs, what was, and now presents it as the five Cs. It sounds like you're teaching students, I guess, what is it, programming or is it Coding? Yeah, programming, coding, yeah, all of the above. So um, depending on the on the class, we'll do web programming or we'll do application programming. So that in itself has some challenges, um, whilst the programming language is always the first challenge. I think when students get into industry, it's not so much knowing the fact that, you know, they know the basics of the programming language. It's being able to identify the areas that need specific debugging or enhancement it's very rare in industry that students will get, you know, a project where it start from the very beginning and develop this system. It'll be, you know, this bit of this system is broken. So it's being able to go in and actually identify the area that needs that development. Right. OK, so it's kind of like a problem solution approach where they're dropped in at one of the stages. They're not just starting from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having that experience of, you know, working in a small team and being you know, as you say, dropped into a project. I think by having that experience, they can talk about that when they do get into industry and they'll feel more confident in their own abilities. And then the reflective framework, how does that fit in with uh, this whole process? And then, of course, with the five Cs. Yeah, so the reflective framework, I've always done reflection in my teaching. I think it's a really key aspect to, you know, building self-regulated behaviours and, you know, recognising the work that, that you've done, really. So it's something that I've always done. The framework that I used for this specific project was a, a kind of a smaller version of reflection because reflection be, can, can be quite uh, extensive but I just wanted a short snapshot of what the students have learned and how they're going to improve it in the future so the, the framework is they have to outline what they've done so they're identifying this you know what they've actually done the, the skills and the task that they've done and then it, it gets them to think about the so what so that thinks about the the five C's and the so what, why are you doing this? How does this integrate into future practice or industry or how, so what, what does this mean for you? And each student's reflected differently, obviously, when they have talked about it. And then the final one, now what? And a lot of the students have said, now what? they can use the skills they've learned in industry. So things like collaboration, critical thinking, communication. So a lot of the students will say, oh, I feel more confident to communicate with people in a team or I feel more open to provide ideas on a project or, you know, little things like that. And that's what's been evidenced in the reflections. So I think without the reflections, I don't think the five C's would work necessarily because I don't think students are taking the overall picture of what they're doing and applying it to their future practice. So I think both of them kind of work hand in hand, if that makes sense. 
Okay, and just to remind us again, what are the five C's? So the five C's are collaboration. So the things that are, so I have headings and then subheadings. So collaboration, things like leadership and initiative, cooperation, flexibility, responsibility and productivity, collaboration, responsiveness. So that's all under the heading collaboration. And then creativity, so idea generation and refinement, openness and courage to explore, work creatively with others, create and innovate, and be innovative with technology. So that's under the creativity header. Critical thinking, main area. Information and discovery, interpretation and analysis, reasoning, constructing arguments, problem solving, system thinking, and the most popular one that comes out is common sense for critical thinking. So communication as the main heading, so effective listening. Now that's something that students always have a problem with, let's say. So making sure that they are actively listening. Delivering presentations online, so sharing their screens has been a a key factor for that. Text communication, so asynchronous communication, which has been done as well, obviously, in the chat windows. Being able to participate and engage online and present what they've actually done back to the group. I think that's really important to be able to communicate your ideas back and participate effectively. And then the fifth and final C is connected. So obviously consideration of digital well-being and identity. So making sure that they can identify online and, you know, they are using safe practices online. Curation, so navigating, selecting and supporting the community. So making sure that they are working effectively online. And then building a community, so active leaders. So making sure that they are active in what they're doing. I mean, one of the challenges I have found with the Connected is we typically have students that like to lurk. So the research says that lurkers are the invisible student. So a member of the community that is online who observes but does not actively participate. So in my future research, I would like to look at how we can stop students from lurking and how we can get them engaged. I mean, is this your typical quiet student in the class that sits at the back and doesn't like to participate? It's something that I want to explore a little bit further, you know, in the next semester of my research. So yeah, I think that would be really interesting to see how we can make sure that students are 100% participating in the groups. Well, actually, on that point, the lurking students, the ones who lurk, going back to your, your question, how technologies, you know, teams and others can support students in developing the five C's mm-hmm. while supporting them to take ownership for their learning. How are they learning from this this process? So using these teams and other apps, but also how are they developing their five C's? They're still learning, I guess, but how are, how are lurkers engaging? Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, I don't know all the answers. I'm not going to lie. But I think by observing what is going on and how the problem-based learning scenarios are working, I think that is giving them the ideas of the five C's. It might not necessarily give them the, the full extent of collaboration or creativity or critical thinking, but it is introducing them to those ideas and giving them opportunities. So when they do go into industry, they might feel more comfortable to actually participate and collaborate And I think a lot of it is knowing that it's a safe space. You know, it's always difficult online because you can't typically see facial expressions or body language or anything like that. So there's a lot of cues that we use in the classroom that we can't use online. So it's very much about feeling comfortable in the environment that you are actually in. 
So I think by lurking, they are still learning about the five C's, but they're probably not actively demonstrating it, if that makes sense. Yes. So basically, yeah, they're, they're, they're observing, they're looking and seeing what other people are talking about, writing about. Um, and they're probably obviously also reflecting as well. Yeah, I mean, they do reflect. I mean, typically, I always get students to reflect regardless of how much they've participated. You know, um, I always try and make a point of saying, you know, it doesn't matter how much you've contributed to the project. I would like to know how you felt about the situation. If you particularly felt uncomfortable working as part of a small group, let me know, because then I can obviously change the practice in future session so it's constantly evolving and constantly changing but I think the smaller breakout rooms has been a lot easier to manage than having bigger groups of students all in one project for example. And that's a good question how many students are you dealing with? Um, so typically classes are between 20 and 30 students so in comparison to some higher education institutions, it is a lot less. But then I try to put between six and eight students per group uh, in a breakout room to give them, you know, enough enough people to contribute, but not too many. So then it becomes overwhelming for them. And how do you think the students' experiences, uh, what is their experience of this? I mean, from from their comments and from what they've said, I mean, I can't, I can't talk for them exactly, but from their comments, they've enjoyed it because it's been something different. And obviously you could, you could say that they've only enjoyed it because it's something different. <laughs> but I think because I've been doing it a few months now, they, they really have found benefit in having that problem-based scenario so it's not targeted towards their assessment. It's actual skills that they will use in their future practice or in their career. You know, so I think that in itself is the most valuable thing they've taken from it. Right. OK. And one question that people, educators might ask is, how did you get their buy in for all of this? Oh, that's a really good question. And I get asked quite a lot. To me, my teaching style is very much a negotiation with students. I try not to be the the sort of tutor that dictates how I'm going to teach it to them. So I will negotiate with them how they want to learn. So at the beginning of a term, I'll say, right, we've got two scenarios. I can either do it this way or I can do it this way or we can work together and make something else. The problem-based scenario came across, came to like fruition through students actually saying, could we not work on a project for this company or could we not work on a project for this company? So obviously that took a bit of legwork to get into industry and talking to partners, but they said they wanted a real life scenario, something that they can take away with them and say, I did this for this project and I got this out of it. So for me, it very much a negotiation with students. Okay. And um, for those who might want to try this method, because it is, it's not new by any means, but it can be scary for some educators. How would you, what suggestions would you have to help them take well, to give ownership to students of their own learning. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because it is quite scary to not have a structured plan of attack. I mean, obviously, I've always got a backup plan, but I think just be open to different ways of learning. This is nothing new. You know, this has been done many times before. It's just probably a different environment that you'd be doing it in if you were doing it online, for example. I think just be open to changing your practice and allow students to feed into it the best, you know, I think that's the best thing you can say for changing your practice like this. Give them the opportunity to say, well, actually, could we do it like this? 
Because I think sometimes we're under pressure to say, yes, I've got a scheme of work. Yes, I'm working towards a curriculum, blah, 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 blah. But in actual fact, it's all about the students and what they're going to take away from your lesson. You know, the fact that students have enjoyed the learning, I think that's valuable because they'll take that away and say, oh, do you remember that lesson with Colette where we did that problem-based programming? Oh, yeah, that was really fun, that. So those things will trigger that long-term memory. So I think just be open to trying something a little bit different. I mean, it might not work with some students. It might work with others. So I think it's just trial and error, really. And then obviously uh, you mentioned you had about, I guess, 30 students. Say that you were a um, an educator that had maybe, you know, three times that number, 100 or so. Mm-hmm or maybe 150, how would you, what would you change or how would you scale this up? That's a really good question, actually. So if I had more students, I would still use the breakout rooms, but probably the group sizes would be maximum of 10. Yes, it would take more planning and preparation, but once the groups are set, it it kind of, it it should work. It should just work because the smaller groups, um, yes, there's a lot more planning and preparation, but allowing allowing for that, I think once you've prepared it, you know, you, you're in a good position. I think the only thing with obviously larger cohorts of students is the preparation time. It would take longer to plan and prepare. But if you were to do it like that, you could use it as part of an assessment where students have to feed back on as part of their assessment. So it could cut out some of the legwork in terms of your assessment schedule. I'm just curious, what are your future plans as far as this? Because from what you're saying, it doesn't matter really what tool they're using. You know, breakout rooms exist in Teams. They also exist in Slack. Yeah. They exist in Zoom, yeah. really. So what, what what's your future plans and what would you... Yeah, no. So um, with this project specifically, I think I would just like to see how it can be developed in different situations with different curriculum areas. So obviously for me, I'm very much computing related and computing focused, but I would love to be able to see maybe an English teacher take this style, this model and develop it further to see how they could work with problem solving scenarios or, you know, even science or history or any other curriculum area, just to see if it's applicable to other situations and other curriculum areas so I think scaling up from this that's what I'm going to be looking at to see if it is is doable is applicable so to kind of wrap this up uh, just touch on one more thing what about the, the personal aspects and you know anything around accessibility or inclusivity what might you have to say about those topics yeah I think um one of the main areas of teaching in this particular style is the fact that it is accessible and it is more personalized because the teacher becomes the facilitator. So the teacher can go in and out of different groups, breakout rooms, whatever you want to call them, and make sure that students are actually okay participating. You can actively see if there's anybody who's not participating. Maybe you could encourage them to, you know, participate a little bit more or even just use the text chat rather than actually speaking. So it gives the, the teacher more availability to be able to make sure that every student is okay. So it becomes more personalized and it gives the it gives the students that accessible platform. They can, as long as they obviously have the technical requirements, the PC or the phone or whatever, they can access 
the programming they can access the you know the support and work as part of a team so i do think that it does give an accessible and personalized experience okay and as far as accessibility so with accessibility i mean making sure that students can actively participate regardless of the platform whether it's zoom slack teams it doesn't matter as long as they can get on the platform and they can actively encourage conversation they can just agree with something online or they can add you know their contribution to it it becomes accessible and with the teacher as the facilitator it allows them to have a a more of a holistic overview of what's going on and they can they can see then that whether students are learning or whether students are struggling and then they can tailor the teaching to that specific area well it's been really interesting hearing about this and it sounds like again this is very transferable to any other subjects that you know the five c's framework but also the reflective bit as well um, I know some subjects do reflection a lot more than others, uh, especially education, med- medicine does it as well. But even some of the sciences are starting to do it more and more. So, yeah. Fabulous. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very much. And we'll look forward to seeing your resources as well, because I know that a lot of people will be interested in finding out more. Thank you. Thank you.